Please stand. The Holy Gospel is written in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter, beginning at the 24th verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus says, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, do not be anxious for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you will put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his stature? And why be anxious for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say it unto you, that even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee. Christ. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Please sit. Yes, those words of Jesus to us today in the Gospel. He says, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. As I'm sure you all know, the slave trade was finally abolished by the efforts of William Wilberforce in Parliament after a long struggle the beginning of the 19th century. But of course, as we equally all well know, slavery in various forms still continues in many parts of the world. But, but, perhaps what we don't know or don't perhaps realize is that slavery in more subtle forms is still endemic right across the Western world at least in the 20th century. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's start with a little linguistic homework, if you'll forgive me, on the text from today's gospel. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. In the translation, we're in serious danger of, yes, missing the whole punch in Christ's gospel, which is essentially good news. It's gospel. When Jesus says, you cannot serve God and mammon, the Greek there is doulaiain, or doulos, and literally means you cannot be a slave to two masters. And the word for master is kurios, which means an owner, the lord of the manor, the owner, absolute ownership. So what is he saying? You cannot be enslaved to two owners who you're possessed by. And then there's that word mammon. The correct spelling in Hebrew is in fact with one M in the middle, M-A-M-O-N, not two as in the authorized version. Because mammon with one M was a Hebrew word meaning not just money, but means all material possessions. It wasn't a bad word as a matter of fact originally, but it has a curious development historically. The word comes from a root, which means to entrust, 
So mammon was the wealth you entrusted to someone to keep safe for you. You entrusted your possessions, your wealth, to someone else to take care of. But as all vocabulary does develop and change, it had come about with a subtle difference and a shift of meaning. And by the end of the process, changed from mammon meaning that which is entrusted to that in which a man puts his trust and then spelt with a capital M in the authorized version, which it correctly is, came to be regarded as nothing less than God with a small g. Now you're beginning to get the punch of what Jesus is trying to say. So what's he trying to say? You cannot serve two masters, you cannot serve God and mammon, should read something more like this. You cannot be enslaved to or chained to or possessed by two owners who totally possess you, two lords. You cannot be the slave of God, the true God, the true Lord, kurios, at the same time as putting your trust in material possessions as your tin god and be possessed by them. But truth to tell, unless we totally entrust our lives to the one true God, we will begin to entrust our lives and be possessed by our possessions, which will be our gods, possessing us and enslaving us. I often think the words on the tomb of the rich young ruler, who wasn't at all a rich young ruler in the New Testament, he's just a poor old thing, really. The words on his tomb might have read, he longed to belong, but he ended up belonging to his belongings, possessed by his possessions. And you see, the good news is, which I think we've let this text get in the hands of Puritans and people who want us to despise money and wealth and possessions and beauty and art. No, God isn't saying that at all. God in Christ offers to redeem us which is the technical word in the slavery market, to buy us back from slavery to false gods, our possessions, to set us free from being possessed by our possessions, to set us free to enjoy them rather than being captivated by them. Now as the free and liberated children of God, redeemed, bought back our redemption. You see how the vocabulary and the jargon of Christianity can lead us down to some very wrong paths. And I think people out there, you see, who don't come to church, when you say Jesus has redeemed us, it doesn't mean anything to them at all. We've got to begin to capture again the initiative. As Rowan Williams said, we've got to begin to recapture the imagination of our environment and our culture and I think if we properly unpack these words this morning these words of Jesus are the most relevant part of his whole teaching particularly in the western world in the 21st century yes the western world of the 21st century the world of consumerism which is consuming us isn't it cogito ergo sum said Descartes, I think, therefore I am. I sometimes change that, Tesco ergo sum, I shop, therefore I am.
consumerism. The world in which we are seriously in danger of being possessed by our possessions, chained to, enslaved by, the wonderful material world which was freely given to us by God to enjoy, to enjoy. 21st Western world, 21st century Westward world of compulsive, addictive behavior in which enough is never enough. That, dear friends, is the slavery and curse of consumerism. Richard Rowe, in the 14th century, says this, and it's as relevant today as the day he said it. He says, since the human soul is capable of receiving God alone, nothing less than God can totally fulfill it, which explains why lovers of earthly things are never satisfied. Enough is never enough. I love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of the end of this passage in, in the gospel. He paraphrases it this way. Jesus says, what I'm trying to do here is getting you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's glorious giving. Isn't that the news we need to hear? Yes, the history of that word mammon, the history of that word possessed, yes, shows vividly how material possessions can usurp a place in our lives which they were never meant to have. Originally a person's material possessions were the things which he entrusted to someone else for safekeeping. In the end they came to be the things in which a man puts his trust. Surely there's no better description of a person's God with a small g than to say his God is the power in whom he trusts. And when we put our trust in material things, the material things have become not our support, but our God and our master. With freedom, Christ has set us free is the claim of scripture. So let us this morning in our Eucharist, let us claim that heritage as the free sons and daughters of God, cutting the chains which enslave us to all false gods, those possessions we can so easily be possessed by and enslaved by. And let's resolve to enjoy to the full the glorious gifts of God's creation and all to his glory and to the praise of his holy name. Amen.